Hey, this is Robin. That's Micaiah. And you are listening to You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, the national trouble will find me. Micaiah, you and I are fans of the national and we have shared our rankings of their albums to date. And for you and I, we both have Trouble Will Find Me as their best album, followed by Boxer and High Violet in in different orders. So my two and your three are swapped, but we have the same top three national albums. But for both of us, we have chosen Trouble Will Find Me as our pick for our podcast And I'm going to go ahead and say up front, I think we got it right. I think this is their best album to date. Listening to it again these last few days has just kind of just reassured me of that truth. So for our listeners, Micaiah, this is a guest-free episode. This is just you and I going track by track through one of our favorite albums. So Micaiah, for our listeners, tell us what we need to know about trouble will find me well it is the the sixth album from the national uh, a band that came up in like the post punk revival of the early 2000s the same time like the strokes were hitting but they were kind of more in the camp of like interpol and you know and, and yeah 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 and that kind of thing um but they didn't take off their 2001 self-titled record I think a lot of national fans haven't even heard, um, but there's really great stuff on there too. In their 2003 record, sad songs for dirty lovers, kind of the same thing, not a hit um, kind of really only exists for the mega fans. It's funny. Cause like the next four records are their breakthrough records. They're, they're kind of the rare band that broke through four times uh, to like different degrees, so like alligator, has a couple songs on there where like they have like a music video on fuse, like regularly a channel. No one references anymore. And that gets them to boxer. And it has a song like fake empire, which becomes like a song used for like the Obama campaign. And they end up like playing for Obama. So they really break through on boxer. And then 2010, they come out. And Alligator and Boxer, by the way, they kind of have similar recording styles. Uh, Boxer just kind of pushing things further away from like kind of punk or post-punk stuff and kind of more into maybe what we're going to recognize them for. A little bit more, you know, challenging instrumentation, um, you know, the use of horns and all this different kinds of stuff that we know them for now. But then there's like the second group of albums, High Violet and Trouble Will Find Me, where I think the sound that is most 
readily recognized as like the national sound probably happens on those two records. I would say high violet critically acclaimed another breakthrough album. They start playing much larger venues after this one. Uh, they're playing on the late night shows, you know, this, they, they break through uh, and then 2013 trouble will find me. They break through again, critically acclaimed the late night talk shows. Now they're playing SNL. Ladies and gentlemen, the national. <laughs> Um, and they're actually intentionally trying to get songs on the radio, even though some of the singles choices are bonanas. Um, I don't know why they're just like demons. The one that's in a, a seven count, that's the first single. Yeah. We're okay, guys. That for sure. <laughs> you know, but for me, this is where I come on board as a national fan. Uh, somehow they just never were in my orbit. And we can get into this more later, but trouble find me to me is kind of the height of like that trajectory that they're on. Um, it's also one of the things where, you know, you just see them getting better with each record with the national stat songs, alligator box or high violet. And then boom, album six trouble will find me, you know, and, and, and I said, because like sleep well beast and I'm easy to find come out later. And those two are also kind of tied together sonically. So within their eight albums, they're kind of, they each have like pairs that, really fit well together sonically. Um, But the next two, I don't think are better than Trouble Will Find Me, High Violet, or Boxer. So it seems to me like, and and these are records I love. There there isn't a national record that I don't don't like. I mean, I I don't love the first two like I do the other ones, but I, I do like them. And I listen to them, you know, again, preparing for this. For me, Trouble Will Find Me is that just like a real sweet spot. Um, in their career where the music is very complex and sophisticated and interesting. And the lyrics, however, are less cryptic than they had been um, much more humanistic and potentially personal, more personal for Matt Beringer, the, the singer uh, and writer, primary songwriter for the band, which makes it feel extremely personal for the listener, but the things that make it so personal are actually, I think large universal themes that a lot of people can, can grab onto. So that's kind of my light take without spoiling too much before we go track by track. That's kind of what, what I think about trouble will find me. Yeah. I, I, so my first exposure to national was alligator. And I, I, I like Alligator. It is not among their best albums, but I, I liked it enough that it sent me backwards into their discography so that by the time Trouble Will Find Me came out, I was ready for it. This, this was an album I was looking forward to coming out. And what is interesting is that shortly after Trouble Will Find Me comes, the album comes out, the documentary mistaken for strangers, which is essentially a documentary about 
the band, the recording, pro, the recording process touring that is directed by Matt Berninger's brother, Tom. And that documentary, I think, I think combined with the fact that you do have more personal lyrics on this album. Mm-hmm. And then I think those personal lyrics are made that much more intimate by the fact that there is a documentary that kind of lets you in to the life of this band. And I mean, there are some tough moments to watch in, in the documentary. There's, there's just some interesting things um, going on, but I feel like getting that inside look also gives you that much more reason to kind of connect with an album. And so that was, that was true for me. Um, I'm with you. There are some weird choices they make in terms of singles released on this album. Um, but I will say, I do think that, that in many ways, this is their most accessible album. So if you're, uh, let's say that you're someone, you know, last week we talked about Taylor Swift's Folklore, which is an album that is, you know, co-produced by Aaron Desner. If you're someone who loves Folklore, if you're someone who loves Taylor Swift, and seeing her work with Aaron Desner is sending you to try to figure out where is your endpoint for the national trouble will find me is your endpoint for the national. It is the most pop accessible of the national albums. And in, in many ways it is probably the album where Matt Berninger sounds the most different in, in a really good way. Um, and, and I love it. This is one of the quotes they were talking about the the way that the band normally had gone through the writing process is Aaron and Bryce Desner, the 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 brothers who are uh, essentially producers, co-producers, you know, keyboard guitarists, you know, multi-instrumentalists who are in this band, they, they essentially write the music and they send music to Matt who comes up with lyrics and melodies. And what was interesting is one of the things that was shared about this experience is that our typical way of working was to send stuff to Matt, then wait a while to get some mumbles back. It was essentially how uh, their bassist Scott, uh, I'm sorry, th- their bassist Scott Devendorf referred to this, is that he is, they were essentially just waiting to get some mumbles back from Matt Berninger. And there are albums that, that the National has where it can feel like that. This this is a band where unless you're looking at at like lyrics of uh, this band, there are often things in national songs you have no idea what Matt is saying. I would also disagree that this is the most accessible record for someone who heard folklore first and is looking for a national record. I would say I am easy to find. Yeah, if you're finding probably- the national that way. I would say that's probably the record that probably so that that's, that's probably true. I think that this is the first of their albums that begin to move in that direction. Sonically. Yeah. 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 So all of that to say, so this is the national album that is my favorite. This is the one I think that is their best, but what you and I often talk about in this podcast is my love for songs or my love at looking at an album as the sum of individual component parts rather than a whole unto itself. This album, Trouble Will Find Me, is interesting for me because I think it is the best album as a whole unto itself. I think it's their most cohesive album. Mm -hmm. I also think it has the best songs. 
Yeah, I was because as you were saying that, I'm like, huh, am I about to disagree with how I typically view albums or what Rob's about to say? But it's like, no, yeah, I I'm with you there. I think this is the best of songs and just kind of like their strongest album and the sound that I think is the most like identifiable for being like the national. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's just another way of putting it is just to say that this is the quintessential record from the national, I would say. And uh, just for our listeners, if, if you want to see something really great, there is a 2015 performance that the national does at the Sydney opera house in Sydney, Australia. And they basically perform outside on the, on, on like the, um, like the front park of, of the Sydney opera house. And you can find it in its entirety on YouTube and it is worth a watch because it is a great, great concert. They do almost this entire album and there are little things they do when performing this album live that just takes it that much. It takes it up just a little bit more because this album that already has so much energy to it, performing in front of an audience, it just, it, 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 there's, there's a visceral nature of the live performance that gets further injected into these songs that I just love. It's really, really great. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. But before we do, we're going to take a break. We're going to let you hear from this week's independent record store of the week and our sponsor, Anchor. And we'll be back to talk about the Nationals. Trouble will find me. Let's begin at the beginning. Track number one. Yeah. Um, referencing. Okay. So I referenced this song in the Taylor Swift episode. And for some reason, I was thinking about the line in Exile where there's like, well, I never learned to read your mind. I was like, oh, that's like, I should live in salt. And I didn't even remember or recall that the first line is, don't make me read your mind. Um, I referenced the one about turning the tv down but the point you made in the taylor swift episode is the same that that really i mean matt's coming out of the gate letting you know what you're getting with this album but by essentially letting you in to a a a fight that a couple has been together for a long time has this is not this is not melodrama this is a this is a normal couple fight you should know me better than that it's perfect right it's it's yeah it's not i hate you i love you it's just it's such a great opening line um because this is why i meant earlier when talking about like extremely personal but universal right because like the number one there's no one who's been in a fight where they haven't said or been told to them well i'm not a mind reader right you know what i mean so like just openings like with uh you know don't make me read your mind you're like all right we're jumping right like you you you're right in the middle of a fight when you get into this album. The album's called Trouble Will Find Me, and you're inserted into the middle of a conflict mm-hmm. as soon as the record opens. This will not be the last time either. Oh no. No, they no, they throw no punches. And in this and musically, right, the music is in conflict. 
is really interesting because it is a regular kind of four four, but it alternates and and goes into uh, nine over eight on occasion. So even like the music is in conflict adding, you know, cause the, the whole thing of you should know me better than that. And, you know, I should leave it alone, but you're not right. So even musically, even though it's doing a classic four or four, it's like, Oh, but I just got to get one more in there. Uh, you like, I, I know I should leave this alone, but I got to say one more thing. I have to have the last word. I have to have the last line. And so this is all happening lyrically, but also musically where it's like, Oh, I know it's in four four, but I just need one more. They go nine, uh, nine over eight, and just for like, it's just perfect. It's just one of those things. Like these are the right lyrics. This is the right sound of his voice, the right music, the right times. It's just like everything is coming together to create something that is just it's sublime. Like it's just like yes, the everything is coming together perfectly to make this song. There. There are no dud lyrics. There are no, no like dull moments in the music. There's just something in here that I, I think is genuinely perfect for what the song wants to be and what they're trying to do. It's coming together perfectly and is very effective for the listener. Don't make me read your mind. You should know me better than that. It takes me too much time You should know me better than that You're not that much like me You should know me better than that We have different enemies You should know me better than that I should leave it alone I should leave it alone, but you're not right. So you said something there that I, that leads us into our next song, but I I think Should Live in Salt is one of the best five songs on the album. Now, there are five singles released from this album, 13 tracks in total. There are five singles released. I Should Live in Salt is not one of them. The yeah. first single released from this album the single released the week before the album came out april 15th 2013 the single that is going to be released to introduce people to this album is the second track on the album demons when i think of you in the city the side of you among the sides get this sudden sinking feeling of a man about to fly Never kept me up before Now I've been awake for days I can't fight it anymore I'm going through an awkward phase I am secretly in love with Everyone that I grew up with To my crying underwater I can't get down any farther All my drowning friends can see Now there is no running from it it's become the crux of me I wish that I could rise above it But I stay down With my demons I stay down With my demons As a first single for a record This is a bonkers decision 
Yeah. You mentioned something talking about, I should live in salt that I want to reference here, not just about this album, but about this band. One of the things that makes the national so interesting for me is that you have often difficult to fully understand baritone of Matt Berninger's voice, but the rest of the band is essentially songwriters, Aaron and Bryce Desner brothers and another pair of brothers, Scott and Brian Devendorf, who Mm -hmm. play bass and drums. And I wonder, as we're thinking about an album that over and over again introduces us to conflict, and certainly we hear that in Demons, I wonder if that relationship between conflict, knowing someone, intimacy, love, the way all of those things all go together, is all of that made more poignant by the fact that this is music being performed by two different sets of brothers. Is that some of what we're hearing in this album, in this music, in a song like demons that one is in a seven count. This is a song in seven, four, which is Mm -hmm. a ridiculous time signature to release a single in. And as a second track to follow up something that was alternating between, you know, alternating time signatures. And your second one is like, it's, it's a bold move. In, in the guitars, I mean, the guitars and the, the keys, the, the pad of the keys in this album are, are in this song and demons seem to, they seem to be off against one another. The it's, it's not a traditional, um, it's not it's, a toe tapper. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a toe tapper. It, it doesn't follow kind of traditional major chord structures. There's, there's a lot of, uh, diminished notes within the structure of the chords they're playing and in the pad. And, and so everything feels slightly off. Mm-hmm. And again, a great song, but a great song that if the lyrics don't leave you, leave you feeling unsettled, the music of this song makes you feel unsettled. Right. Right. Yeah. That, no, that's perfectly put. And, I, and I'll go back to what you're saying about conflict I mean, all this isn't mistaken for strangers also Um, kind of addressing the fact that like Matt is the only one who doesn't have a brother in the band. Right. And and Bryce and Aaron are twins. Right. So their relationship is a very intense one. Right. As far as brothers go, like they have, they have that twin thing. Right. The thing about this record was what actually makes it work. I mean, the first song, I think Matt has said that it actually is not about like him and his wife who is often a co-writer. Um, it's actually about he and his brother, that song, uh, which I didn't know till researching for uh, this episode. I always, I always assumed it was a relationship thing. And I'll probably get into that at some point as to why I was projecting that. But they were talking about how this record coming together was not from conflict. Um, Aaron had produced a couple, his, uh, a record for local natives and Sharon Van Etten. And he said that I learned by producing records for them that um, arguments don't have to be shouting matches, that you can just kind of work collaboratively on songs and working on a record. And so that informed, right, this new national record. Like, hey, we don't just have to like have shouting matches when we disagree with something. We can just work on it together. And I think being on the other side of that, looking back, is what allows them to kind of articulate these things 
on the record. And it's a point in their career where they're, they're at the highest point of their career. You know, so where this conflict is coming from is kind of strange um, because they appear to be in healthy relationships as, as parents and as spouses. Um, I, I don't know if it's just this, I, I, I don't know what, what the, where the content is coming from because it seems to be contrary to the biography of the band and the individual members at this point in their career. Um, nevertheless, it's here and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike I should live in salt, where it's clearly between two people or, you know, it is, it is relationship beast. Uh, demons is much more internalized. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can, we can, what we should do is probably just say, Hey, what's your favorite line from this song? Because the national for me and Robbie, you've talked about this too, not lyrics first people. No. Um, however, with the national, it, it is the lyrics that like really keep me coming back. So, you know, I'm secretly in love with everyone I grew up with. I was like, Oh my God, that's nothing I've ever heard articulated before, but it's something I was just like immediately understood. I didn't, I didn't, you know, it's not something I thought about to figure out what it meant. It was just like hearing it and then immediately understanding what he meant by that without even have to like dig deep. I was like, Whoa, that was something I've never heard in a song before. And it was really powerful. And this is for me, this comes out the year after I graduate college and then I moved to grad school and I had this very strong core group of friends in college who have now been split after we, we graduated and after a breakup also, you know, so like, it's one of those things like, yeah, I'm secretly in love with everyone who I was in college with and they're gone. And I am truly my worst self, which gets to um, my, what could be my favorite line in the whole record, uh, which is when I walk into a room, I do, I do not, not light it up. My favorite lyric <laughs> On that song, for sure. When I walk into a room, I do not light it up. It's just... And then, but then punctuated with the explicative. It's just... Yes. Like, that's the other thing about The National and this record in particular. As dark as it is, or sad as it is, or melancholic as people say that it is, it's very funny. Like, that line is... is very funny. This is, this is something... This is a record I survived on when I started grad school. I'm not 
the second single released from the album, the single that comes out the week the album comes out, is my favorite song on the album. And I think probably the pop friendliest song on the album. The third track on the album, Don't Swallow the Cap. I mean, you say that, but it's like, is the most pop friendly one the one that's like a reference to like doing mushrooms and, <laughs> and you know, saying things like, I only have two emotions, careful fear and dead devotion. Is that pop friendly? Like that's, that's like, that is a hardcore. So I, but I think this is the thing you're talking about this. I think what makes don't swallow the cap uh, pop friendly is it, it is the most formulaic song on the album that the, mm-hmm. the, the, the melody line, the chord progressions, like th- this is an example of the kind of like pop staple one, six, five, four chord progression. Like it's the music very much feels like something that Aaron and Bryce Desner could be writing for Taylor Swift. And yet what mm-hmm. Matt Derninger does lyrically with this song is again, it's that it's, it's the conflict. There is a conflict between what this music sounds like and what Matt Berninger is singing about. And that's, I think that's even a consistent Mm -hmm. theme. This consistent theme of this album is that nothing, nothing quite fits, nothing quite lines up. Like everything is slightly askew. And for me, you get this really fun kind of like very prototypical kind of pop indie rock music juxtaposed with Matt Berninger singing, you know, maybe my favorite pre-chorus he's ever written. Everything I love is on the table. Everything I love is out to see. Yeah. I mean, when I, when when I think about the track though, like, I mean, first of all, what makes it seem accessible on this record so far is the only song we've heard so far that is strictly four, four Four, times. But the drums are wild like it's not a four four drum pattern like it is in fact the drummer i mean he's he's one of my favorite drummers because he rarely uses any other symbols in the hi-hats mm-hmm. rarely like which is bananas uh he he's mostly on the toms and he's normally constructing beats that are i mean he he's like a human drum machine it's pretty much the easiest way to say it, but not like an 808 machine, like just like boom, cat, do 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 cat. Like he he's doing really intricate stuff. But what helps it feel, I guess, Rob, for you more pop accessible is that underneath his kind of wild drum patterns, there is a drum machine, mm-hmm. an actual drum machine that's programmed that is kind of allowing you to like tap along and nod your head along. Yeah. Uh, a drum sample or whatever that is provided by Sufjan Stevens, actually. In fact, there's a lot of collaborators on this album. Um, Sufjan Stevens, Annie Clark from mm-hmm. also known as St. Vincent, or Sharon Van Etten. Um, Harry from, from uh, Arcade Fire. Guy from Arcade Fire, uh, Kyle Resnick um, uh, from Beirut, uh, Nico Muley. You know, um, and a lot of these people that we made, by the way, also play on folklore. This is these are this part of this group that Aaron and Bryce work together with regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but 
at the same time, like the the way Matt's singing, but here that that conflict again is it's Matt in his lowest register, yeah, uh, overdubbed with a softer vocal take that's a little bit higher in his register. Which, by the way, I should live in Salt. We should have said also, it's him singing differently than he ever had. I think on a previous record, it's not that, that kind of mumbly national thing that we think of. And the way he talks, I mean, is very low and baritone. And in this track, it's actually even pretty monotone, mm-hmm. um, but intentionally, yeah. you know, like the I'm tired, I'm freezing, I'm done. I guess I'll lay down, forget everyone. You know, what I mean, like it's it's done purposefully. Yeah. And again, I think as someone who had gotten into the national enough that I was waiting for this album to come out when it came out, I, I think that if, if you've never heard the national before, it's going to take you a little while to get used to Matt's voice. I'm going to go ahead and just say that. And, and there are people I know, my wife included, who the, the turnoff to the national is Matt's voice, that it is this low baritone. It is kind of, you know, it, it, he can be, it can sound monotone. He can sound like he's mumbling hard to understand what he's saying. All of those things are true, but I think I was so accustomed to the things I like about Matt's voice and Mm -hmm. especially considering that Aaron and Bryce write music with Matt's voice in mind, which means if you listen, if you strip Matt's voice away and just listen to the music most of the music is kind of mid to mid high register in the way that they fill the music sonically fills that space. So when Matt sings, it actually feels like Matt is, is, is bringing so much of the like middle low register to the music. So sonically they're writing, knowing where Matt's going to be singing. And so Matt's voice actually fills this space of the band in a way that is just so beautifully done. And, and it takes, I think the, the brilliance of Aaron and Bryce writing this music and co-producing these albums that really helps that the mix of that sit so well. And, and, and don't swallow the cap. Like you said, kind of upfront. I mean, this is a quintessential national track for me. Like, you know, who are the national, what are they like? What are they about? Like, what are they kind of like lyrically? What are they like musically? What's their deal? You can very easily be like, listen to Don't, Don't Swallow the Cap. You'll get it. And it's like, well, if you don't like that, I'm not sure you're going to like anything else from it. Because this is like, like as good as it gets and maybe as easy as it gets to like get into them. Um, You know, yeah, love. I love everything about this track. Bonkers production. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are bananas. Like it's, I mean, this is as good as it gets. I mean, this is, yeah, this is great. And I think it helps also at this point in record, like having a woman's voice also come in to sing along also, uh, which they're really going to tap into on I'm Easy to Find. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to track number four, Fireproof. You keep a lot of secrets. Keep none. Wish I could go back and keep some fireproof. Nothing breaks your heart. You're fireproof. It's just the way you are. 
crazy about the music of this song but the opening verse has maybe you know you were talking about the line and demons for me mm-hmm. maybe my favorite lyric that Matt Berninger has on the album is the opening verse <laughs> you yes. have so many you have so many secrets you keep a lot of secrets and I keep none wish I could go back and keep some yeah. <laughs> this this idea of being known that like it, what it feels like to have no secrets, to be known intimately and be in a relationship in any relationship, whether that's romantic or, you know, in, in any relationship in your life where you are fully known and you don't fully know the other person that, 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 um, that power differential created by secrets. Mm -hmm. I, I, Mm -hmm. I love, I love that first verse. Yeah, I mean, this is for me, like, as someone, as I mentioned earlier, was going through a breakup around the time this record came out and when I was listening to it um, the most. um, I was the person who was dumped, and it just seemed like the person who dumped me was just very, like, just not concerned. Like, this was no no skin off her back, just like, I'm doing just fine. You know, so when something like Fireproof comes on, it's just like, yeah, I, I... yeah, she she's fireproof, and I wish I could be more like that. And it was is that other complicated thing at that time was like someone who's just wronged you, you feel well not wronged you, but dumped you and like rejected you, and and also being like, why can't I be more like them? Why can't I just like not care as much as they don't care? You know, uh, which is a very complicated feeling to get over someone, but envy how they're able to be fireproof, as it were. Uh, playing the favorite lyric game, though, Jennifer, you are not the only the only one to sit awake until the wild feelings leave you. That's just another one. It's like, uh, the, the, and the national can do this, where it's like you get to this kind of like bridge toward the end of the song, or like, eh, I don't know about this one, and then you, something like that happens. You're like, well, wait, what? And then just like, wow, you know, like a line can like really save a song that you thought was like, ah, this one's like not as exciting, not as interesting. And then a line like that can happen. You're like, man, these, and and I'll say not, not an essential track from the record, you know, but it's not one I would lose either because you get these great lines and it, and it is, has so much of what is the heart of this record Mm -hmm. contained in those lyrics. So while, while we'll be like, yeah, you know, not, not one of our favorites still, um essential to what makes this record trouble will find me you know yeah yeah song number five the fourth single released from the album sea of love and i I said this earlier that you know thinking about the pop accessibility sea of love is in in some ways a very pop accessible song
was on the song exploder podcast talking about sea of love and i want to share with you my, my favorite thing that he said on the podcast he said it's a romantic song about a man who's bitten into the apple a little bit it's a big murky mess of all the feelings that happen between human beings when romance and hopes and all those things all those kinds of things run away with our hearts a little bit the Joe is definitely the one who is jumping in with both feet. There's a room full of people who are sliding in to this sea of love. And so kind of seeing these lyrics, not with like the, the really kind of gushing, happy, like, oh, oh, like kind of almost like bubblegum pop kind of idea that you could give to these lyrics in some way, but reading these lyrics instead, hearing these lyrics instead as someone who in their falling in love is also kind of losing themselves that, that, that the sea of love is something you're drowning in. Mm-hmm. Not, not like some, you know, happy thing you're jumping into, but the sea of love is something that is ultimately killing you. Mm. First time I heard this song, this is actually what got me into the record and into the band. Cause for some reason, not on my radar. And it doesn't even make sense as to why they were, because they work with Justin Vernon and Sufjan and I, I don't know, maybe I was just just in too great a mood um, as they were on their rise. I don't know. Um, but I, I was flying into L.A. Um, to go hang out with my sister while I was in grad school and actually go see Conan's show. Um, and I, it, was, it, was, it was a time when they were still telling you to turn off all electronic devices while they were doing the descent. And so I, I turned off my, my iPod. I still had my headphones and I don't fly well. I was like, I need something in my ears now. Like I am, I get panicky and my ears feel like they're going to explode. It, it sucks for me. Um, and they had a little port in the armrest for the headphone jack. I was like, whatever. I don't care what's in here. I'm just plugging my headphones into this jack. And it was Sea of Love playing as I'm descending into L.A. for the first time, having just kind of like a lost weekend, leaving Mississippi, right? And just know, and I, it just... is a perfect soundtrack for that moment. It was the greatest moment. Like, it, it was... Mike Birbiglia said, national songs shouldn't be in movies because national songs are movies. Hmm. And that was that for me. I was just like, this is the soundtrack to my life. This is like it this is the last album to come out where I was like, every song is about me. Every lyric is about my experience. Like I just felt it so personally and being in grad school and, and having a really tough time there. And then finally having what did Harvard teach you? Yeah, it's like, you know, like I, I just had two. I just graduated two bachelor's degrees. I'm working a graduate program. I'm not happy. Mm. You know, what I mean, I was just like, what good is like academia is doing me no good. And, and it's something I was just pursuing so intensely. And it just felt like it was all just like feeling it. And then I was just like, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know what good 
any of this is uh but this song is really great and um when i get back to mississippi i'm gonna because i remember these lyrics like i was listening i was just like i see you like i was listening so hard because I didn't, I didn't even know it was the national mm. like i i just heard the song was like and listening so intently be like okay in three days or whatever, when I get back to Mississippi, I have to Google these lyrics so I can find the song and find the, cause I didn't have a smartphone at this time either. So it's like holding on to these lyrics in my head, walking around LA with my sister for days so I could go back home and find it. And then that's really how I got into the national. I could walk up, but I won't in my mind. I Someone take my place Can't face heaven on heaven face No one's careful all the time If you lose me, I'm gonna die Can't face heaven all heaven faced As we look at song number six, Heaven Faced, let me pose this question to you, Micaiah. What on earth does the word heaven faced mean to you? What does it mean in the context of this song? I don't know. I don't really know. And and maybe I've never wanted to look that deep into it because this is one of my, like, not essential ones for me. Mm -hmm. Um. Until the bridge. Yeah. Which I think is in five. Mm-hmm. In five over four. Another like just kind of fun time signature play with some wild drums, which by the way, Sea of Love is like all snare drum. Mm-hmm. The drums are just all snare drum. It's wild. Um sorry, back to Heaven Face. I don't know, but it surprised me to listen to Matt on Pete Holmes's podcast to say that this is for him one of the essential songs on the record. Yeah. And I was just like, well, that's surprising because it is not for me. Um, and, and that's what I, that's why I'm asking, what do you think it means? Because I've heard not just in his interview with Pete Holmes on you made it weird, but in other places, Matt has talked about how much he is proud of this song and how much this song means to him. Uh-huh. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if I'm missing something. I wonder if heaven faced is a, a term or a phrase or a word that more people are familiar with. But in, in my life outside of this song, I have never heard it. Well, he likes to do that. Um, and this comes from he's referenced Kurt Cobain as being someone who kind of makes up words. That was a big influence for him. And he's also a big fan of pavement. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where he's coming from. And also REM, but, and, and the Smiths, obviously, but I think probably Kirk Cobain and Steve Malkinus are probably maybe the biggest two for him and, and Leonard Cohen. I you can look at that, obviously. Um, like, like Vanderlaw crybaby geeks. He's like, yeah, this is like a nonsense blood buzz, Ohio lemon world right off a of high violet. And then this one, heaven face, like he, he just likes to, to toy with these words. And he is getting kind of, probably back on this track more to that cryptic side of his writing. Yeah. For me, I mean, again, it's musically, it sits in well with this record. 
Um, sonically, I think like this is textbook national. Uh, the bridge, I think, is phenomenal. Uh, but still, for me, not like an essential track. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not one that I I go back to, and not one I'm going to put on a mix for people. Um, but again, but I don't want to lose it. Yeah, right. Because there's something about it still essential for like kind of like locking in to this record. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning, which is this is, this is the best national album, Mm -hmm. but it's also the best collection of songs. And because it works as an album, there are, there are seven or eight songs of the 13 on this album that I would put on a mix that I would recommend anyone listen to. Mm-hmm. But all of the songs on this album work and they work in the context of this album, even if not all 13 of them are songs that you'd be like, Oh man, that's it. That's a hit. That's a hit. That's a hit. But you know, for me, eight out of 13, some of their best songs and all of them are good and they all work this well. I, I think that, even a song like heaven face that I don't really understand what it means to me. Um, and, and again, music, musically it's, it's not, it's not doing anything. We haven't heard the national do before. That bridge is, is great though. Yeah, again, great bridge. Speaking of great bridges, song number seven, this is the last time in the bridge. We were so under the brine. We were so vacant in kind. So vacant in kind. I love that as a bridge lyric. We were so vacant in kind. This is the last time. to be a song that at least lyrically could be on transatlanticism the death cab album well, that's okay I, I i wouldn't say that but I, I'll, I'll hear you out just this idea that, that clearly this is about someone who keeps going back to a relationship for whatever reason and every time they go back it's that the lie that we tell ourselves this is the last time this is the last time this is the last time this time i mean it this is the like it's the thing that we don't talk about often enough, but the sometimes the addictive relationship, the sometimes the addictive nature of relationships, especially codependent relationships, the, the way in which people go back again and again 
to relationships they know are ultimately not good for them or toxic for them or, or, you know, they can't even define why it's valuable and yet they keep going back to it. And every time they do, they find themselves in the same place going, no, no, this is, this is the last time this. And we've all known that we've, we've all had that friend who like, they're dating someone and they break up and they get back together and they break up and they get back together. And every time, no, this is really it. We're really done this time. At a certain point, you just stop saying how you really feel about their significant other, because you know that no matter what you think of them, they're going to be back together at some point. Yeah. Don't tell anyone I'm here. I've got Tynol and beer. I, I thought you would call somebody closer, but you know what I mean? It's just like, wow, wow. We, this is a, yeah, it's a great, I mean, this is where I'm getting, I'm starting to get into the national and this record means a lot to me. And then they performed this song on the second season of the Mindy project. Mm-hmm. It's that thing of like, now I'm hooked on this band and now I'm seeing them everywhere, even in unexpected places like the Mindy project. And they play this song and I was just like, cool. Um, I'm all in. Uh, yeah. I mean, your love is such a swamp is just like a perfect Matt Barringer line and get being from the in. South. You're like, I know what that means. I know what that is <laughs> from Florida in particular. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Your love is hot. <laughs> it's bothersome, drowning me, threatening. You know, there's maybe something that can potentially make me fall ill somewhere underneath it. You mm-hmm. know, like there's, you know, it's the, yeah, a lot, a lot of things happening in that one line that are really great. Moving on to track number eight, the third single released from the album, maybe one of one of only two, two or three songs that have ever really been a favorite on the album for me. So don't swallow the cap is one of them. Track number eight is the second one for me that has been a favorite on this album. The song Graceless. Graceless Is there a powder to erase this? It's like, okay, so they're doing all this like new stuff. They got all these great studio tricks as, as musicians, they're growing. And then with this track, it's like, yeah, but we're still the people who wrote and did Abel off Alligator. Like, we're still those guys. We, we're still punk rock. Like, we wear suits and stuff, but like, we're still punk rock. Like, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, I I seen, I've, I've never seen them in concert, but I have seen video of them in concert and I've seen them obviously perform you know, everywhere you can see them perform on television. 
consistently this is my favorite live song they do as a band some great lyrics from graceless a pre-chorus like this i'm trying but i'm gone through the glass again just come and find me god loves everybody don't remind me god loves everybody don't remind me that that's that's where it's at and for me at this time in my life a lot of anger Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of resentment. It's just one of those things where it's just like God loves every. Don't remind me. It's just like uh, I'm like, like it's one of those things where it's like everyone who's trying to give you advice on how to get through something's like, well, you remember God loves everybody, or just how you want to be. Just like, don't give me that. Like that. That is not what I'm here for right now. Like that's not what's going to help me. That this is not good advice. You know. Um but yeah, also just things like I'm not my rosy self, you know, it's just like, yep. When I walk into a room, I do not light it up. I'm not my rosy self and God loves everybody. Don't remind me, you know, it's just like there, there's, there's a, there's an attitude here. That's the, this is, I mean, I, this is also one where like the lyrics and the music are, are definitely matching up mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, there, there's something, and this is definitely one where I would go on walks and this is a track where like you're listening to it and I can't even finish the song before I'm already like restarting it. I'm like, yeah, let's keep going. Like, just like it. Yeah. Love this track. These lines are all, all great. Like just classic national tracks. It's very angsty. I figured out how to be faithless, but it would be a shame to waste this. You know, you can't imagine how I hate it. It's, yeah, it has just the right amount of angst and an attitude and, you know, from basically like a post-punk band of a bunch of people in their 40s. You know, bullet, you know, all of my thoughts of you, bullets through rotten fruit, come apart at the seams. Now I know what dying means. Mm. I'm not my rosy self, left my roses on my shelf. Take the white ones, they're my favorite. It's the side effects that save us. I mean, this is... I mean, this is like great literature. I mean, this is, I mean, I really, I do think, and this is because Matt is not just looking at all the great songwriters that he grew up with that we've already referenced, but he's also looking at the great writers, the great American short story writers and novelists and poets. And uh, I mean, I, I, I think I take his lyrics that seriously as well. You know, you, you, you can hear like all of the, that postmodernist era. He He's, talked about uh, grace paley a lot but also like the david foster wallace kind of thing and you know the these kind of drug references are very much something like out of infinite jest or something um yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm just all in i i don't have enough i i can go on just gushing but i i don't know how great that is for the listeners moving on to a song that is probably if if you were to say cut this album to 12 tracks i think slip would be the song that i would cut mm-hmm. yeah it, this is yeah 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 i'm in the city you hated my eyes are falling counting the clicks with the living dead my eyes are red I'm in the crush and I hate it My eyes are falling I'm 
so many different things musically where they're they're playing with time signature they're playing with uh, augmented and diminished chords they're 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 playing around so much with the idea of the kind of misfit nature the the conflict between um sounds and lyrics and coming off of a song like graceless that that works so well that's so perfectly put together and then slipped feels like a song that's kind of phoned in. I mean, it, it, it feels, it feels like a song that um, it's not a bad song. It's just not a great song. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's an ordinary song on an extraordinary album. And so that contrast makes it stand out. I mean, graceless being maybe the most energetic song there has these like bookends that are, probably the two maybe for me less significant tracks for me as someone who listens to this record like heaven faced and slipped are not the reasons i come back to this album for i'll mm-hmm. say it like that you know so but having but this is a smart sequence right having graceless between these two songs is perfect right because it's the you know you need something to to get you to the high energy of Graceless and then something to bring you down, mm-hmm. right, from that high energy. So the listening experience of this record all the way through, they're perfectly sequenced, even if they're not two of the strongest songs. But at the same time, there are great lyrics in here too. You know, <laughs> I don't need any help to be breakable, believe me. I know nobody else who can laugh along to any kind of joke. I don't need any help to be lonely when you leave me. You know, it's just like, yeah. I mean, and for someone who's freshly dumped and who's listening to only the national and stand-up comedy all the time, you know, this is, yep, meeting me right where I'm at. Um, and then, oh my God, then the third, I don't want you to grieve, but I want you to wreck, but I want you to sympathize, which is the most dumped person thing. I can think of. Uh, I can't blame you for losing your mind for a little while. So did I. It's just great. I mean, this is just, yeah. this is a, again, going back to the thing that, that feels so personal, but is actually a very universal experience that is sharp enough to feel direct, uh, but vague enough to be universal, which is a real fine line with writing and i think that matt at this point in his career has found a really great sweet spot again i think i think that he writes he writes better on other songs i think he sings better on other songs on this on this album um you know the the music doesn't feel especially inspired but again you go from slipped into 
maybe the most ubiquitous song on the album. The the final single released from the album, the track I Need My Girl. And mm-hmm. even if you think you've never heard The National before, you're going to recognize this song from the Netflix series You, from the Mindy Project, from the Entourage movie. From, <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, seriously, we could go down the list of all of the television shows and movies this song has appeared in in the last nine years. I Need My Girl. I am good, I am grounded Davy says that I look taller But I can't get my head around it I keep feeling smaller and smaller I need my girl Lost your shit and drove the car into the garden. You got out and said, I'm sorry to the vines, no one saw. I need my girl. I need my girl. You know, it. I mean, this is one they actually, they created a separate radio single, like a different radio mix. I didn't know know that. Yeah, it's so interesting that this is a band who's like really trying. They're like, you know what? We've got great momentum right now with like High Violet. Let's really try to make something happen. And what they present are, are songs that are not typical for the radio at all. So I, I love that the band's like, no, we we want in on this. We we want, we're really proud of this record, and we really want people to hear these songs, but we're still doing it on our terms. Like we're not gonna, you know, try to make a radio song. This is a song that we have, and we're gonna try and get that song on the radio, but not try to, you know, like, well, what yeah, I mean, I need my girl might be something that sounds like it could be on the radio, but this is one of the lower you know like kind of a downbeat kind of song it's a slower tempo this is not one that you would think would i mean songs like this don't get on the radio they, they don't get played a lot but and yet it's used in movies a lot which i guess maybe that's their end and and for me um never been one of my favorites on the record it it's a very 2013 track i i know i was a 45 percenter then if you remember 2012, 2012 was the presidential election between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. And Mitt Romney got essentially a lot of, a, a lot of um, bad press, rightfully so, when he essentially told a room full of wealthy fundraisers that... of the people in America will never, ever vote for him because they don't pay anything in tax. Like essentially it was him saying like 45% of the country is lazy and doesn't want to do anything. Like it it was more or less what Mitt Romney was saying. Mm -hmm. And so to use that line as part of a chorus in 2013, even then feels like a little dated already. 
but listening yeah. to this listening to this song now in 2022 like i love the music of this song but the the chorus feels like again it, he does the same thing in heaven faced but at least heaven faced is a little more evocative than a, than I, I know i was a 45 percenter then it, it just it, it feels like a tough thing to grab onto yeah I mean, I need my girl. I keep feeling smaller and smaller, right? There, there, there are things that you can latch onto here. But for me, I don't know. And, and part of it's because when I was going through the breakup that I'm projecting onto all these songs, I didn't feel like I needed that person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, you know what I mean? So it's just like, nah, man, I don't need. No, nah, that ain't it. That's not. That's not the mood. Like that's. I'm. I'm trying to get further and further you know not trying you know so but then again but they're they're really lovely lyrics in here you know remember when you lost your shit and drove the car into the garden you got out and said i'm sorry to the vines and no one saw it that's just a, i mean that's a really lovely really lovely lyric that i and, I, and i'm pretty fond of that and but yeah it's just yeah, it's, it's just never been one for me that, and it was always one that I'm surprised of just like, that's the one that took off. All the great songs on this record, that's the one that kind of will be remembered the most by people not, you know, who aren't like big national fans. It was always surprising to me. I will say though, you, you, you mentioned this, like this never charted as a radio single. They released it as a single and never charted as a single. It makes sense as music in movies and television shows because there is a vibe to this song. Like this, this is a vibey song in, in, in a way that I really like, but boy, do we have a great closing to this album? The final three tracks of this album. So good. Track number 11, the third the final of the three songs that have ever been my favorite on the album. Number one was Don't Swallow the Cat. Number two was Graceless. And here we are, number three, track number 11, Humiliation. I survived the dinner And the air went thinner I retired to the briars But the public is so loud If I die this instant Taken from the distance They will probably list it down Among other things around town Got my rings around me I got baby to pound me I see stars and go weak My baby cries and lays me down In the skies over black Venice I see eyes of a white menace The surprise of the week that I never heard the sound All the LA women Fall asleep while swimming I got paid to fish for mind And then one day I lost the job And I cried a little I got fried a little And she laid her eyes on mine And she said, babe, you're better off If there is a calling card for Aaron and Bryce Desner 
writing and producing music together. Humiliation feels like the song they could just send out to people and say, you want to work with us. This is a beautiful picture of songwriting, the way this is produced, the choices that are made in terms of instrumentation and mixing and all of that perfectly creates this fertile ground where Matt Beringer's vocals, the way he sings, the way you add the vocals into this song, the backing vocals in this song. I mean, it's all done so perfectly. This might be the, the most impressive feat of production on the album for me. That's interesting. I, I mean, I think I just live in salt and don't swallow the cap or kind of my kind of, when I think of like immediate production highlights, because for me, this is where I, I mean, I think of Matt's lyrics again. Yeah. Because there, this one is very lyrics heavy. Um, it, it's not like I need my girl uh, where it's like kind of coming back to the same kind of few phrases over and over again, like same kind of pre-chorus, same chorus and verses are different, but there's just a lot happening here lyrically. That's a lot of fun to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's catchy, but not in the way that other songs are catchy. Like, you know, be my baby or something like why, why, why any of these words are catchy together i don't know um but you know all the la women fall asleep while swimming i got paid to fish them out then one day i lost the job and i cried a little i got fried a little then she laid her eyes on mine and she said baby better off it's just like this is this is a plus i mean i i'm rapid fire going through these lyrics but the way that he sings it and performs it is truly perfect this is one of those things where i'm like Right, what I always kind of go back to is just like I don't, I don't care about like American Idol and the voice singers who can belt. I don't care because you're just belting for the sake of a competition show or for the sake of belting. I'm 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 so convinced of what he's saying, even if I don't fully understand it, even if it's not personal to me. In, in some cases, like it, it's so authentic and genuine and evocative. That yeah, it's just it's it's impossible for me not to be pulled in because it's like whatever I'm listening to is a is is a fully realized thing that is beautiful and odd and interesting mm-hmm. um, that you just you just want to keep going back. It, it's funny. It's perfect. You know, I, I love this stuff. Well, and it's interesting too, because I, and maybe it's because the reference to LA women and humiliation leads into yeah. a yeah. song like Pink Rabbits, which feels, and, and I don't know if, again, I don't know if this is a projection. Pink Rabbits feels like a song written about Sunset Boulevard. It, it feels like the, the movie song, or the place, the movie, but I'm, I'm particularly thinking about okay. in, in old, used to be, used to be great actress, you know, like so, okay. someone, someone is like 19, 20, 30s, 40s, 50s era movies, like actress, movie star who mm-hmm. has outgrown her 
um, who, who is aged out essentially of, of her celebrity. And so now she's someone who, you know, looks like someone who used to be famous and, you know, has a, has a fainting chair and sits around drinking pink rabbits, like, yeah. you know, a, a, essentially a, a very, very fruity cocktail, um, you know, that, that is very labor intensive to make, but essentially is, you know, you might as well be drinking Nestle quick with some vodka in it, like for, for, for all that it is like a, a, a someone who has a fainting chair who lays around drinking sugary, sweet drinks all day. Like this very much has the feel to me of like the old former actress in my mind. So again, maybe this is a projection, but I think the reference to LA and humiliation leading into pink rabbits makes me think when I hear this song of the famous rich, rich woman who no one really cares what she does or thinks or says anymore, but she hasn't let go of the idea that she's important, that she, she matters. And so again, bringing this idea of conflict that part of the, part of the conflict that we hear in this album and the conflict I hear in pink rabbits is the conflict of aging, the, the conflict of essentially outgrowing, not your usefulness, but outgrowing your relevance. I mean, I like all the things you said. I don't get that from this song, but I'm glad that this song can do that much for you, Mm -hmm. Um, which is what national songs do. You know, they, the the Mike Birbiglia quote, national songs are movies. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find quite one out in the rain. I was just soaking my head Somebody said you disappeared in a crowd I didn't understand that I don't understand that Am I the one you think about When you're sitting in your fainting chair Drinking pink rabbits Am I the one you think about When you're sitting in your fainting chair Drinking pink rabbits And everybody was gone Staring in the street Cause you're trying not to crack up It wasn't like a rain It was more like a sea I didn't ask for this pain It just came over me I love a stone But I don't love lightning Yeah, this song is interesting Cause this is actually like a lot of songs On this record Which is the verse? Which is the chorus? Like looking at these like, mm-hmm. The way that it's like it, it sounds like there are four, like it's just four choruses Four like this song is just four different choruses. Like there's, there's something like they're all kind of big and melodic and beautiful. And yeah, it, it's, it rules. Uh, I mean, these, I mean, it's t- talking about this in terms of like cinema, you know, it's just like, you know, like exterior sunset Boulevard. If you want to use yours, right. Mm-hmm. you know raining you know i couldn't find quiet i went out in the rain i was just soaking my head to unrattle my brain it's just like wow we are we are working with an exceptional writer here and the band is amazing on this track too and like the way that it moves like and the, and, uh, the drummer's actually on the ride a lot kind of doing this in, in the way that he's on the ride for most of it which is typically where you are for the course right 
but he's there for most of the song. So it just seems like it's a chorus that just keeps building with a new chorus and another new chorus and another new chorus, which is really tough to do. Um, it, it, it makes the song, which is, which seems like a real downer and it is a lower, a slower tempo feels like it just keeps building the entire time is going on, uh, which is, you know, just wonderful production on the part of them and, and, you know, everyone in the band, uh, is, is, is that, is that like the sadness, but also with like the comedy, you know, you didn't see me. I was falling apart. I was a television version of a person with a broken heart. You know, that could have multiple meanings. You didn't see me. I was falling apart. I was a white girl in a crowd of white girls in the park. Which just, <laughs> just always makes me I a white girl in a crowd of white girls. But even think about it. Think about the nature of that. Like, yeah, I, I was I was a dime a dozen. Like, yeah, there there was it, there was nothing particularly special or unique about me. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. We close with. A song that I love, but I will say I think this is the strongest album closer of any national record. It's certainly my favorite. Yeah. Um, the album closer, Hard to Find. I can see the glowing lights. I can see them every night. Really not that far away. This song is probably the most personal for me. It's not my favorite on the album, but it's the most personal for me. So this album came out in April of 2013. Uh, Of course, our listeners know that I I am a, a pastor by profession. And in May of 2013, I did my first wedding as a pastor. Uh, One of my childhood best friends had reached out to me and asked if I would marry he and his fiance. And this is my friend, Scott. He was the last of kind of our group of friends to get married, which meant that by the time that he got married, all of the rest of our group of friends from high school were all married with kids and I remember traveling from Northeast Florida, St. Augustine area where we lived at the time down to South Florida where I'm from and seeing all these friends of mine from high school doing this wedding and and getting down there and spending the weekend together. And of course this album had been out for about a month. So I, I listened to this album on the drive down and I remember the rehearsal dinner after the wedding rehearsal on Friday night, we did rehearsal dinner and at the rehearsal dinner, me and another one of my close friends from high school, uh, you know, we're both married with, with two kids each at this time. And we're sitting down with my friend, Scott, whose wedding I'm doing, we're sitting down with his mom who we've all been close to, you know, she was, she was a, a regular adult figure in our lives growing up. 
And she was asking me and my friend Garrett what we had learned, you know, at this point, you know, now in our thirties, married with kids, you know, what we, what we had learned, what we knew. And we were both kind of sharing what the experience was like being back in this place where neither one of us know, you know, this place we no longer lived in with all these friends that we had spent so much time with in our early years in thinking about this reality that you end up mourning, not what was, but you almost end up mourning the loss of your ideal of what was. And we were sharing this with her. And then of course she was kind of sharing to us that, you know, that's, that's how life goes is life is always, life is always not recognizing what you have when you have it, not recognizing what is special about the moment in the moment. And it takes often, it takes years to be able to look back and realize how great something was, how special something was. But of course you're also looking back through it, through some kind of idealized, very cinematic version. And driving back to the hotel where my wife and my kids were asleep. I remember this song hard to find the final track of trouble will find me was playing in my car as I was driving back to the hotel. And it just felt like everything we had just talked about and all these memories of all these friends of mine from high school. But now of course, you know, here we are, you know, almost 20 years later, married kids in the lyrics of this song, feeling like, Matt was singing. It, it felt like one of those moments where Matt was just singing for me. He was singing all the things that I was feeling and thinking. And so this is one of those songs that I, I think this might be, again, not my favorite song in the album, but this is probably the song that really unlocked the album for me and made this album so personal is, is the experience of Matt singing this song as I was driving back to the hotel um, having just spent the evening with a bunch of friends of mine that I grew up with. And there's definitely room on this song for that, you know, especially, you know, the, these first couple of verses and I, I can see the glowing lights. I can see them every night, really not that far away. I could be there in a day. I wonder if you'd live there still. I kind of think you always will. If I tried, you know, you'd probably be hard to find. And it's just, I mean, that's a short story. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's so much in there that can take you so many different places emotionally. It's, it's, there's just enough there for anyone to, to be like, to know exactly what that means to them personally. And no one would be wrong. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's so great. Um, yeah, I, I love this song. And I mean, I kind of, uh, you know, defer to verse two where it's like, I'm, I'm just glad I can't explain, you know, I, I, I can't explain why, why this song is so great. Um, I just know that I love it. And, and uh, I, I know because I've heard Matt say that verse three suddenly references the Sandy hook. Mm-hmm. Um tragedy i don't know why we had to lose the ones who took so little space you know we're still waiting for the east to cover what we can't erase i'm not holding out for you but i'm still watching for the signs 
you know, if I tried, you'd probably be hard to find, you know, and it seems like there's just a lot of things happening there. This is someone who's, whose mind is just spinning, thinking of, of plenty of things. And to the point where the chorus of this song is a line from a violent femme song, mm-hmm. uh, taking out of context and inserted into a very different one. And, uh, I, I don't know what it what it means now out of you know knowing the violent film song knowing this song uh, it yeah is is very interesting and I'm not I, I I don't have any kind of like theories about like what it means but I know how I feel listening to it and that's so much more meaningful than me trying to like intellectualize some sort of meaning about like like the like it being pastiche and being repurposed and all that kind of stuff. Someone smarter than me is going to have to do that work. All right. And and I think if, if I did it, if I did the work on that to figure out what it is, it might take the piss out of it for me. Yeah. It, w- it wouldn't mean as much to you anymore. Yeah. Um, but, but I love that it's there and it's not the only time. I mean, he makes references like we said to blue velvet to let it be to never mind. You know, there, there are lots of references to, to all kinds of things in this record and which makes also a pretty unique national record. And he, he'll do that some on the new record. He mentions the first two strokes albums and REM and stuff. So he's not afraid to, you know, drop his, his drop some references, which is always fun. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's a great album closer. The piano mm. is it, just great. It's just what the Desner boys just do best. But it's it's all orchestrated mm-hmm. uh, beautifully and perfectly, and this is yeah, it's, it's just one of those examples. Like, yes, this is why the National are one of the great bands of the 21st century. I mean, I, I'll admit this is strictly personal because this is one of my favorite bands. But we're we're in a time where rock bands are becoming less and less important. Mm-hmm. You know, so when the Rolling Stone 500 list came out, the new one, there wasn't one album from the National. Whereas the Enemy 2013 list had, I think, three or four records from the National. I mean, that, and, and the Pitchfork readers list, right, had another three or four records, including Trouble Will Find Me, on the best records to come out since uh, 1995, 1996, our pitchfork started, you know, so people who love rock music, look at this band as being one of the great rock bands of the 21st century. And I think rock bands is where there's the most kind of gatekeeping in the music world. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, there's the Beatles, the stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, you know, like like those like quintessential like dad rock bands, like those are the bands. The Who, those are bands. You know, and then and then you get like the CBGB thing of like, but also the like Ramones and Talking Heads and Clash. You know, in the seventies you get like there's the punk rock bands, like those are real bands. And then Gen X, of course, will just never let grunge die. They'll always have Nirvana and Pearl Jam. And I just feel like no one's looking at these bands of the 21st century and being like, no, like the national 
are one of the greatest bands of all time. Mm-hmm. Like truly of the 21st century. And there are maybe less bands in the 21st century or maybe because of the internet, more bands than ever before in the 21st century. Uh, but in terms of exposure, there's not the saturation that there was in the music world before. Look at Rolling, like look at Rolling Stone magazine. When's the last time a new rock band was on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine? Yeah. Like it'll be like 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 Foo Fighters who have been around for 30 years or whatever, 25 years. You know, so it's just like they're like rock bands just are not important um anymore. They're they're not on the radio anymore or if they are they're like Imagine Dragons, right? So the, the rock Grammy isn't even televised. Mm-hmm. The alternative rock Grammy not televised, right? It's just not important to pop culture anymore. And I, I want to say, you know, we're, we're, we're creating, when you create a list, you're creating a canon, right? Of the great albums and, and the great artists. And I mean, lists and things like, like so many of our guests have said, like lists don't matter. Lists aren't important. And to some extent that's true, right? Like what becomes number one, it doesn't like really matter. Like what, and, and we'll probably say about some records too, which is like, eh, you know, like from like 75 to 100, whatever order they come in. And yeah, that's pretty okay with me or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's not important in like that way, but it is important for like what gets remembered over time and what are people holding on to and cherishing over time and there's great rock music happening however you define that in the 21st century from bands coming out of the 21st century oh i mean and let's let's take a moment here not only is are there great albums coming out in the 21st century from great rock bands arguably this as great as this album is this isn't even the best rock album that came out in 2013. I disagree, but that's okay. I, uh, I would say, I would say the best rock album that came out in 2013 was Modern Vampires of the City by Vampire Weekend. And I believe you've gone on record saying as much every time you've nominated it. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I don't think so. I think this record's better. Um, but I, I love Vampire Weekend. I think Ezra is another one of these great really great exceptional writers of our time also um as yeah he's 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 phenomenal phenomenal songwriter but yeah i mean so there i and i want to say hey it's not just some something has happened even like in the rock critic world where there's like this like i think rock critics were maybe going really hard on pop stars so now it's like really in vogue for rock magazines alternative magazines to like be like, oh, this pop record is actually the best album of a year. Like, that's the contrarian thing to do for like alternative yeah. like me. It's, it's you know, so it's just so, like so you can't you can't say Trouble Will Find Me is the best album of 2013. It has to be the Drake record that came out that year, where it has to be Jesus or something. Right, where it's just like, oh, the best the album of the decade was actually the Kanye's Dark Twisted Fantasy, not you know, so you know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's that kind of thing, which is it's fine. And, and, you know, and maybe that's because hip hop for so long was thought of as not being as important, but regardless, you know, um, when we're make the point I've been circling around now is we're making a list. And for me, it's important on this list to represent the fact that in the 21st century, 
there are still great albums, like all-time great albums being made. And some of those all-time great albums are coming from all-time great rock bands who aren't the Who and they aren't the Stones and they aren't the Beatles. And and so I, I think the National need to be represented, just like I think Wilco needs to be represented. Bony Bear, Fleet Foxes, Vampire Weekend, Arcade Fire, which we talked about. You know, these are some of the great acts of the 21st century who need to be represented like we are going to talk about and have talked about Kendrick Lamar, Frank Ocean, Beyonce eventually, right? They, Taylor Swift, right? That they need to be spoken for. And for you and I who are making our list, you know, it's important to me um, that that is represented. Yeah, I think that's where I come down on it too. So I don't know, admittedly, I don't know if Trouble Will Find Me is one of the best hundred albums ever made. But Trouble Will Find Me is definitely an album in my personal favorite hundred albums ever made. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to make our list, I think this is another one where we put our flag in and we just say, hey, we're, we're, we're staking our claim that this is a you forgot one album actually rolling stone this is a you forgot one artist come on like yeah. no representation at all but if you're gonna if you're going to have one album by the national i think it has to be trouble will find me and i think this is this is right for our list trouble will find me deserves to be on this list and uh, and, and i and i understand right there are case, there's a case we made for Boxer. There's a case we made for High Violet. I will entertain those, right? If, if any of those three records were on this list, cool with me, you know, but Trouble Will Find Me for me is just like, this one for me, that, this is a top 25 personal favorite album for me. Like in, in my top 25, the newest album to come out. I mean, so this is, again, like I said, this is personal for me, you know, but... um but I truly believe that this record is, is exceptional. And I don't know if this is going to be one of those 10 years from now, people look back, you know, are they going to, are they going to kind of realize like, Oh, this was this exceptional record that people liked just, a, you know, just fine. And, but maybe we need to start recognizing this as one of the top great albums of all time. I, I don't know what it's going to look like over time, but that's, you know, but I, I want to uh, normalize the national being considered one of the great bands of all time and normalize making claims that trouble will find me, even though it didn't change pop culture. It didn't necessarily break new ground in any kind of way. It just, they showed up, gave us these 13 songs and put out like a near perfect record. You know what I mean? Like this, is this is, you know, it's just as simple as that. This is a near perfect record. Well, listener, what do you think? Is this the national album that should be on our list? Do you think the national deserving a spot in the hundred greatest albums of all time? Let us know your thoughts. Reach out to us on Twitter at you forgot one pod on Instagram at you forgot one. Of course, our website, you forgot one.com. If you like the podcast, please like, subscribe, 
uh, whatever the language is, depending upon your specific location where you listen to podcasts. Um, But we would love for you to rate and review the podcast so that more folks like you can hear it. We're going to leave you now with the bonus track from the Japanese release of Trouble Will Find Me, a cover of the Perfume Genius song, Learning. Take your legs